Hi, everybody. Welcome back for an all-new Incredipolecast. Today, we're going to be talking about our new series, The Incredible Pole Farm. And I am joined by some special guests today. We have my beautiful wife, as always, Beth Pole. Hello, everyone. Uh, our amazing executive producers, Emily Hyman and John Collin, who were our Hello. fearless leaders throughout Hello. the whole process. Fearless followers. <laughs> That's right. Whatever you're doing. So today we're obviously talking about episodes nine and ten. And John, my first question is to you. You, when I asked you to do the 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 podcast and asked you to be a part of the podcast, you said yes, but you insisted on wanting to do episode nine. And I'm curious about what happened during episode nine that really made you want to come on today. So I was wrong. <laughs> it was episode 10. <laughs> that, that was one. But we're, since we're talking about it, and since hopefully the audience just watched that one, um, that was probably my most... Producing the surprise around Christy visiting the farm uh, was probably my favorite day of filming. In order to keep Ben outside and for Beth and Christy to decorate the trailer, we had to interview Ben for a long time about something that we did not care about at all for, for the show. So as we start to interview him, the, the, the sky opens up and it's just pouring. And Ben does, ben does not, I, I, like I have a rain jacket on, I think. Ben does not, and you can see it in the footage too. We don't really make a, big, a huge deal about it. You can see the rain coming down. And I, in my ear, I, I have a walkie-talkie, and I'm like, are, are, you, are you done yet? And Emily's like, nope. <laughs> I was like, all right. Like, I had so many questions that were just, like, pointless and aimless. And Ben was like, Ben was such a trooper. He just, he answered every question. He wasn't questioning, like, why are we doing this? He is drenched. He is like, and you can see when he comes into the trailer, like, his hair it looks like he just got out of the shower. I ran out of questions and I had to ask the cameraman standing next to me. I was like, do you have anything else you can ask? <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. At him. And at one point, he, and this did make the show, he just, he, he uh, you know, puts his arms wide and, and just starts screaming because he's like, why are we doing this? And I think it was at that point where I was like, I, I think fortunately Christy heard that yell. And so she <laughs> was like, all right. We need to we need to do this, and I was just you know on the walkie-talkie back to Emily, being like, I can't hold him here any longer. Like it's been ten minutes, we're drenched. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like it was a I think for a lot of different reasons. Like I think I was also like just really happy that um, you know like I think that Ben really needed to see Christy and his kids at that moment. I you know I, I don't know I um, it, it was just a, it was a special moment, but uh, you know, like what went into that was was a lot of um, was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'll I'll I have several questions, follow up questions, but we'll 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 deal with that. We'll get to do episode nine and and talk about that first, and then we'll move into episode ten because I have so many questions because I was not a part of any of that from any perspective, but I I have my own takes on it from being. And you're a hundred percent right. Um, I will say in episode nine, there is something that was not covered 
but was done to me by Ben. Uh, so they were moving the water lines because we we had to redesign and rejigger the whole sheep hut. And I have a very expensive fiber optic cable that is buried out through my fence line. And we had dug it up and made sure that, you know, we knew exactly where this cable was because they had to dig with the excavator underneath and around this cable. And Ben placed the bucket like against the cable in such a way that it was hiding it and then had like ripped torn electrical wires that he got to stick out one side of the thing to make it look like they severed this cable that we knew. And I had this very important interview that I was shooting with Dr. Pole that we needed this fiber optic to use to do the interview. And I, he came out and he's like, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I know you told me that we, uh, not to sever this cable, but we accidentally did. And, my heart just sank. <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? I don't, I can't repair this. I don't even know if it's repairable. It's, and I have this interview in two days, even if I can repair it, it's not going to get done. I'm just thinking about this all in my head. And I think I was muttering to myself at the same time. <laughs> and then finally they reveal it. And I, so as much as you feel bad, John. I am glad that very shortly after he had the same kind of trick played on him uh, to, to get a little pay karma, karma, the payback there. Some but, days I'm not sure if we are still 10 years old or actually grown. Yeah, adults. I think we're all 10 years old, really. But doing that shoot, it was definitely the no, the biggest known unknown. So we had gone around this field we had built this sheep hut we had talked about things but neither ben and i had considered drainage as a consideration i didn't think I about you're still blaming ben for this <laughs> i mean ultimately he's the construction guy right like isn't it somewhat on the construction guy to be like have we thought about proper drainage ah but we but, live here. <laughs> no, we did. But it's I I keep myself like as much to blame. And uh the and I had not thought about the amount of the cows, how much they urinate in a day and defecate and all the animals and how much that would build up. And then once it got to a rainier season, it was just what was your thought? Because I told you there was a major issue. Can I, and then you guys came back and you actually saw the issue. What was your what was your thought when you Let me jump in real it? quick. Because we, we shot a scene with you. And Emily can speak to this a little bit clearer than I can. But we shot a scene with you where you, you said, you know, they, they pee. I think it was like something like 30 gallons a day or something like that. So we put that into the episode in like a rough cut, but because it's National Geographic, we have very high level of like, we need to fact check everything. So like someone, I don't know who it was, Emily, it might've been you, like had to fact check, like how much do cows pee and poo ever day, on a daily basis? <laughs> because we had to prove that what you said on camera was actually factually correct. Um, Anyway, that was that was the best fact check we did this. How much do they how much do they pee a day? I think and I said were, about I thirty gallons. So because you were you weren't precise enough with your yeah. answer. 
I think that just goes to show, though, that regardless of knowing your animals, knowing your land, all of the planning and the work that you guys took to to prepare the schematics, talking to Charles, your dad, and really the the planning work that went into this in advance, it just goes to show how you can still overlook things despite the experience, despite the knowledge of the land. There's just things you can't anticipate. And, you know, that's farming, that's life. And um, this is just such a, such a great example of how you have to pivot and then figure things out once you've built yourself a 10-foot sheep hut. I will I will note that we did bring my dad to the exact spot. He toured it several times and he never <laughs> noted either that there was going to be any drainage problem. I won't put it on his feet, not at all, never, but uh, I would never blame your dad for any anything, <laughs> no. For any issues on the farm, but no. I, I I noted that as well. <laughs> yeah. So but you I had told you there was an issue because we had talked on the phone before you guys came out. And I said, there's an issue with this. We're going to have to address it. I think maybe we can. It's going to be like a significant portion of one of these episodes, just so you know. When you came out, like, what were your thoughts? Because it was I didn't I didn't do anything. I just left it so that it could be in its all its glory. Yeah, I mean, I I. I'll say this. I think that I was surprised or I, well, maybe let me answer your, let me answer your question with another question, which is, were you surprised at how much those animals loved the sheep hut, but that's where they just, yeah, they spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting them to spend as much time in there as, as what they did. I guess I should have. I mean, it's a nice shaded, it's cool. It was the end of summer. So it was the, kind of the dog days of summer and uh they they were just hanging out in there all the time and it like that i think the first scene we did was clean out that hut ben and i to get the all the mess out of there and that was legitimately disgusting it was it was foul and mixing that with the straw um, all thought- I'm going to say is we're going to have amazing dairy dew fertilizer for next year's garden because that was that was some pretty incredible stuff. I thought you were going to say it was pretty crappy. Oh, yeah. You could say that, too. I, look, I don't have to. I don't I don't live where you live. So my my when I got out there and I saw it, I I was thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> this is I thought that this was like a really um like you this is you're starting a farm and you're doing everything from scratch and things are not going to go right and that's you know that's good from a storytelling point of view it's like if if you get it perfect it, there's not a lot of like takeaway that you can give the viewer it's when things go wrong and exploring how they go wrong where i think the audience is like learning with you you know, like what, like how, how this actually all needs to like fit together. Cause it is like, it's a very complicated puzzle and it can look sort of simple, especially for people who have been farming for their entire lives. It's like, they know exactly what the pitfalls are. They can make those mistakes sort of in the privacy of their own farm. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so for me, I, you know, this was like, there, there's always like hiccups that were along the way. And sometimes those hiccups weren't you know, they weren't dramatic enough or interesting enough or had, had enough takeaway. But for this, this was like extraordinarily visual. 
I'm sorry the audience couldn't smell what that actually smelled like inside, but it was, it, it, and, and it just offered, I think, a lot of, an interesting takeaway and, you know, like, from what Emily was sort of suggesting, you know, like, you built a wonderful shelter, um, but then, yeah, it's like, how much do they go to the bathroom? Like, what what's the ground like here? It's like, you know, there's clay under, right underneath the topsoil, we're at the low point. So for me, I, you know, I was like really enthusiastic because like I, we were always looking for, to be honest, like we were looking for those opportunities, you know, to really like learn about farming. And again, I'll just say this, like when things go perfectly, there's less opportunity for takeaway, for, for learning. And so this was a really fun way of, um, uh, 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 like of learning about like, you know, how, how, what is it like to, to put a farm in your, you know, three acre backyard? And to do something that's out of the ordinary too, right? It's not, uh, you just don't go down to your local uh, fleet and farm store and pick up a a sheep hut to install in your yard, right? This idea was the generation of Charles looking at what has historically been done, how animals have been cared for, ways that are more environmentally supportive, perhaps, than um, maybe a structure that we would build. And so it was a little bit of an experiment. And I think in that experimentation process, you sometimes have to go through that learning process at the same time because you're not reading it from a manual. There's no instruction guide. And so it for everybody at home who is so compelled to either make a sheep hut or uh dig one out of an existing hill um i think there's probably some takeaways for for them like don't start until you're sure you have drainage and you know what animals um urination quantities are yes yes well there was for me there was it was interesting because i knew there was a problem i knew we were gonna have to fix it ben and i really went through a lot of solutions and without being too much of a spoiler, this was not the final fix, but um, we, we also had the opportunity to watch how the animals were interacting. So when we looked at it and say, okay, we need to concrete this and adjust the slope. It, and then Ben had this idea of like, well, let's get rocks for the side and stop the, the sand caving in. And, oh, let's, you know, uh, move the water line and where the Ritchie Fountain is going to be positioned to the side. We, we decided to make all these changes, and some of them were based on, like, uh, the problems that were very visual, like you said. And some of them were just, like, learning the habits of the animals and saying, like, oh, gee, you know, we were stupid. But at the same time, how do you know the habits of the animals until you put the animals in there? And you, you have to adjust to how they were. And it ended up being kind of a blessing in a way because it, like as good as it looked, like putting those boulders and going and getting those boulders and putting them on the side, I, like, did, like, what, when we said, like, the boulders, did you, did Emily, I mean, you were a big part of that. Did you have any idea, again, like, the boulders did you think like these are the rocks that they're talking about no again i actually i would say that um i think graphics helped the sheep hut to help us tell the story of the sheep hut because these ideas that you come up with i mean 
it's so hard to visualize. So, you know, you, you say boulders. No, I have, I had no idea just how huge these were going to be. The one thing I wanted to point out though, that I love, and, and I don't know that we, I think we, we obviously talk about it in the episode, but something I really appreciated was how resourceful you were, you all were with the materials. You know, you went to other parts of your property for those boulders. You went to your dad's house for the sand. You used the <clears throat> the milk crates to for the concrete. You know, there was there's a little bit of this um, waste not want not. Really, I mean, it is it's sustainable. It's 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 looking at what you have and coming up with thoughtful solutions to these problems. Um, I know that wasn't exactly the it looked so much cooler with the boulders. That's, that's really how I should have let off the answer to that question. But as I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about the sheep hut, I was like, oh, this was a really cool aspect of it that I, you know, that I appreciated. Um, and again, to talk about sort of the, the, from a production perspective, it, it created great field trips for us to explore other places, to get sand, to go hunt for rocks, um, which I know <laughs> is, is one of Charles's favorite pastimes. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really did, it elevated the sheep hut, gave us, gave us field trips. It made it look cooler. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a great sort of solve. Not to give too much away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sort of solved. It was, it was a good try. It was it was a really good try, and <laughs> there was try. there were some other elements that didn't really make the cut of the show, but were like a big factor when we were getting it. The Ben had put a fence around the sheep hut to keep the cows out, um, in order to allow the grass to grow up and stop the dirt from like sliding. And I have to say, like it was. We did a pickup shoot where um, some members of the crew flew out just for uh, two days. And I can't remember what we were picking up, but we were picking something up where something was going on in the farm and we needed some camera, uh, some stuff there. And I think we needed some interviews as well for one of the episodes that we're getting ready to drop, maybe the first one. And they had gotten there. In the morning, I came out to like let them into the the garage that we were using for equipment storage, and I look out and my cows are standing on top of the sheep hut, and I have this picture of taking through the window the cows on top of the sheep hut, and it was the first time they had just completely knocked the fence down, and I didn't expect the cows to just push right through it like it was nothing. Like just let me knock this over. I want to go over here and stand at top. They and loved the top of that sheep hut. I mean, in later episodes, like they they were just constantly up there. All three of them. I don't I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was breezier or I, I don't know why. But yeah, they they really loved it. I do actually have an answer for this. Um, it's because oh. they're prey animals. So by being at the highest point, they can see further to allow them to see any possible predators that were coming around. That's... I didn't come up that with myself. My dad actually told me that because I asked the same question. I said, why are they always up there? And he's like, they're prairie animals. 
when the cows look at the sheep hut, they're not like, oh, Charles, thank you for building us this nice place to stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer. They're like, thanks for the awesome lookout tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are many benefits to the sheep hut. And that's just one. But they, we, we did. And one of my favorite things, one of the most satisfying things that we did the whole time, I think, was actually concreting that sheep hut. Um, you know, there was a lot of drama going into moving those water lines. I know Ben did a lot of work into moving those and there was a lot of drama that may, we made, like we glossed over, made it seem like it was like 30 seconds, but it was like a real process to move those. And I know he was a little bit hot, which contributed to some of the things in episode 10 that we saw later on, but he was very stressed about that. But then we got the concrete and it was like, that was actually a really great day. It was really satisfying. Um, I was driving my little skid steer, moving the concrete back and forth, and I actually had a blast doing that. But then walking on the concrete with the crates was like, I bet that you got to do that with me. Like, was that not oddly like really fun to to put the 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 grooves into the concrete? I mean, I just thought it was a job. I appreciate a lot that you. Um, found that element to you know be a moment where you could grasp your childhood and like play in wet cement for me I was just like let's get this down I mean it was funny we made some jokes it was easier work than other things I could have imagined like cleaning out the thing to start with um but I'm not sure I I experienced it quite the way you did (laughs) it was Awesome. Charles skid steer is an interesting thing. And like, we, we definitely didn't capture it fully. I think what it means to you, and I apologize to you, Charles. I apologize to the viewers. <laughs> I think the reason why you started this farm was so that you could drive that skid steer more in your life. You needed an excuse to be in the skid steer. <laughs> yeah, it constantly breaks down. That's another secret behind it. So it's it's currently broken down and I need to have it fixed. But it is uh it is fun. I it, it looks amusing, hilariously amusing because it it is the tiniest and I'm not a tiny guy and it's the tiniest little skid steer and it looks like comically small for me in there it is kind and of then small. ben's got this big like <laughs> it machine it's the relative <laughs> it's the relativity between ben and his larger skin steer yes. which he considers like an extension of his arms and you your <laughs> snug skid steer that <laughs> yeah, i have i get off you know, <laughs> ben driving that thing is like an artist with a piece you know a canvas and yeah <laughs> He is, he is incredible in that thing. It's but, true. Yeah, he He's been driving um, equipment since I think he was about 15 years old. And before that, I'm sure he was driving other, you know, like little farmy implement things at home, um, as many boys do. And so for him, it's just, it's part of what he does. And he is just so talented. You put him in any, anything with wheels and an engine and he's just, he's off to the races and you can be comfortable and confident that everything's going to be okay. Um, I wouldn't say that in all cases for the workers on our farm. <laughs> I'm not sure if we, I'm not sure if we recorded it, but there was some point during that shoot that Ben lifted up my skid steer 
and, and with his bucket and like drove it away. So he was like carrying my skid steer on his skid steer. I think if we had recorded that, it would have been an episode. <laughs> that would have been a show. Yeah, that fact, would have been. We would have. We'd be talking about that moment more. Now, yeah. I think back. it was actually probably you guys who were on lunch and they were like playing they were ma- they were razzing me and they like lunch. drove they yeah. picked it up and were driving it away. That might be uh, an OSHA violation. Yeah, that was a that was definitely an OSHA uh, thing. Charles, <laughs> there was something you said earlier that it reminded me of just a general element that I've experienced as they were putting this farm together, and that is the unpredictability of the livestock. You know, the the situation with the the sheep hut, a.k.a. P. Palace, was one example. But over and over again, we had these experiences where the animals would knock down the trough that we had built to feed them in. We had problems with the fencing because they pushed their way through. And there, you just don't realize, as at least for me, a first-time livestock owner, I, I, me and those words all in one sentence still feel a little odd. Um, you don't realize how destructive and how powerful these animals are until you start trying to build structures to keep them in, to feed them, to take care of them. And you're like, you broke it again. And that was really surprising for me. And Charles, I wondered, did you have that that same sense of frustration or did you have a better grasp because growing up you had more livestock? You know, they. I do know that when I was a kid, and not necessarily me, but I had friends who grew up on farms, and they would constantly talk about, like, we're out fixing the fences. And you get, like, a sense that this is, like, kind of a yearly occurrence, which it really has been at our farm, too, like kind of something you have to do once a year, some maintenance. Um, but, uh, I mean, working with the animals, you realize how powerful they are. I thought that what we had built would deter them enough. And I was surprised on how little it did deter them. And, and, and some of the other behavior of the animals were, um, some of it wasn't so surprising with me, like the way the sheep and the cows like started like working and, and developed a hierarchy between them wasn't so surprising. And, and then peacefully coexisting, like I, I've seen that in other animals and I knew that that would happen, but then there was some other behavioralisms that were just kind of like, I didn't see it coming um, and were kind of shocking, but that's kind of half the fun. I, and my dad says like each individual, each animal is its own individual. So like by having boots, who is our Jersey, he's very much a troublemaker having him on the farm like contributed he's also very intelligent and like i'm not sure had we not had boots that some of these fence problems would have happened because he was definitely always the one who was over there first and then the other cows would be like hey we can do that too and then it would just make it exponentially worse each time the cows tried to do it um and that that was definitely a challenge of that so it, it but it's half the fun and honestly, it kind of goes in like we let my dad let the horses in. That was actually kind of a real nerve wracking moment for me because horses are um, they they're not to be pushed around by anybody. Cows, sheep, dogs, doesn't matter. Um, they they're very much like the cats of the large animal world. And um, they're uh, so when. Clovis went over there and that's, he was picking on the stallion a little bit. And that stallion 
there was a couple of moments where I kind of was a little nervous for him. But at the same time, like I had to just let him find his own way and kind of learn the boundaries and have those two. Because if I got in the middle of it, they would learn nothing and then wouldn't work it out between themselves. And next time I might not be there and they might get hurt. So it was it was that kind of moment where you let your kid do something and you're kind of like giving them a little bit longer leash, but you know, it's for their benefit. I can't remember, John, were you with me when we let him in? I think you were producing that segment or was it you, Emily? What, what was your thought with the um, interaction between Clovis and, and the horses? Were you nervous for him? I mean, there were a couple close calls or, or did you not really, did that kind of like go over your head? We were nervous. I was nervous myself. (laughs) Yeah. It was a, it was a, you know, I think your dad is so wonderful, but he's a busy man and he just opened those gates and we were like, Oh, we gotta be on this. Um, so I think, yes, it was a, what were you going to say? It was a big story. It was a big story point. And it was a a surprise. So we weren't, we were sort of, I think, taken by surprise that those gates opened as quickly as they did. And uh, so, but yeah, I was, I was, I was very worried for Clovis and our cameras. I mean, our, not our cameras, the humans behind the camera. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We we should say I should point out that we had a stallion in there. So we did have a stallion and stallions are very unpredictable and not. I think that's where the nervousness comes in. Go, go ahead, John. I didn't mean to say, so while you were nervous about Clovis, I, you know, like camera people, their, you know, their eye is in the lens. They're not sometimes totally like taking in the sort of like risks that they can be walking into because they're, they're trying to get a shot. And I was nervous being around that horse. I'm like, I, I do have some experience around horses. I'm fairly comfortable, but that horse made me nervous. And so getting the crew in there, who I don't think they did have a ton of experience around horses. They were, and, and you know, like camera, camera guys, camera women, they can sometimes just be like, well, whatever, I just can't get the shot. And they almost take pride on taking risks like that. But uh, there is a shot in there where you can see, uh, he, he, he kicks at at a uh, Clovis, and it, it was a dangerous moment. And um, yeah, I was thinking about the welfare of our crew for sure. And I, I think I was being pretty vocal on our walkie-talkies about <laughs> giving Samson yeah. a lot of yeah. a lot of space. I mean, what's funny about Samson? He's no longer here, by the way. We did we did sell him to to a Amish farm who is going to breed with him. But um, he was uh, by the end. He went through this period of of being a teenager, and by the end, like believe it or not, he was incredibly sweet. Like he oh. was incredibly, he just completely all of a sudden flipped the switch back the other way and just like really calmed down and was an incredibly sweet horse. So by the end, I was actually kind of sad to see him go. To be honest with you, he just had this moment where they were like all those hormones are raging and and he's we just discovering like it yeah being it's a teenager you know yeah, what exactly. i mean it's like not, not our best 
It was hilarious <laughs> to see the cows come over because they didn't care. They're like, kick me, whatever. doesn't matter. I'm like, I'll butt you. You kick me, I'll butt you. And they were just, it was a completely different type of interaction Wait, with them. You're, we also have to be careful with our crew and cows because like we were just talking about, I mean, they move much slower generally than Samson or, or horses, but they're thousand pound animals and you know side kickers they're side kickers yeah. <laughs> and when you're when somebody's you know eye is in that lens and they're not taking in the whole scene it's yeah that that also makes me nervous well so. there is a depth perception issue behind a camera and we have had some cameramen run over by animals um very few times on the incredible doctor poll but we have had it happen so you definitely are always aware of that. Um, luckily, the you know Samson was probably the one animal who was a little bit unpredictable in that way. But the the cows being so friendly made it a lot easier because the four H they're being four H animals. They were a lot different than your normal. By that normal same cow. token, though, I also in that friendliness, I also find there to be danger because you acquire number one a level of comfort with that animal such that you forget how powerful that they are. A swing of the head can be a big, big ouchie. It can knock you down very easily. And, you know, they're not meaning anything by it other than they turn to look at you. But, boy, that head can come swinging. And upon impact, it hurts. I'm speaking from experience. And the second part is that when the animals are really friendly and you develop that comfort, it's it's important to remember that when you go to other farms or work with new animals, that those animals, while they may appear friendly, don't necessarily have that same disposition. And so you can, that barrier that you've had initially with the fear of the animal that goes away because you're like, oh, my goat's so friendly. The cows are so nice. And then you engage with that same animal elsewhere and you realize like, oh, jeepers, um, <clears throat> much more dangerous situation here well you shouldn't be fearful it's more about respect and you learn that like when doing what i did riding to farm after farm with my dad you develop that respect but even then you still can get hurt but we'll get into that later on <laughs> uh the uh all the fear so good about bringing our content out and and connecting it to other larger life lessons and it's, it's very i, I <laughs> I need to channel that. I need to. You need what to start a farm. <laughs> but I, yeah, I need to start, to start a farm. There it is. There it is. Everybody does. Yeah. So uh, going on to the next episode, and, and I'd be remiss because it's such a good episode. It is the episode John wanted to be on the show about, but episode 10, <laughs> uh, building the waterfall essentially was, was the th through or the crux of this episode. Um, um, and, there was a moment in it kind of, and, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I really want to know based on the conversation we had at the open of the show um, where Emily, you're interviewing Ben and there he breaks, you break him like, no, but yeah, you, <laughs> like, he, he, all, all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden he, he just, he breaks down. He gets emotional. He's had, and, you know, I know the, the stress because we had just finished the sheep hut. We had just finished all the work with that and got that done. And, you know, now he's going into this for him. There was, you know, it's the busy season. He's got a lot of pressure 
and his own work and, and he's away from his family. Um, did you know that like this was not, not saying that like you did it on purpose, but did you know that he was dealing with this or did, were you surprised that he just got like emotional and, and started breaking down? I, uh, that's a good question. You know, I think that I, I, I got, I was lucky enough. We were lucky enough to get to know you all pretty well by this point. And so I had a feeling that, you know, I, I certainly wasn't looking for him to break down at all. It's not how I go about interviews looking for emotion. I truly am just asking the question, but I did know at that point that, you know, family, it was, it was going to be a sensitive topic. I didn't, I didn't know what his reaction was going to be. Um, but it was one it, of the only times in the show. I think there's only one other time where you, they, we left your voice in asking the question. I mean, it, it was really a powerful moment. And I think it went to show the connection that we developed with you guys and the trust and the trust, and, yeah. and, and everything else because it was really as much and it, we'll get more of this but i just want to say that from from my perspective it was as much we were doing battle with building this farm and doing this tv show and we were all in it together and there was a lot of fun and camaraderie and hardship and hard times and drama and everything else that went into it so like, you know, I'm glad that you guys left that in. I, I thought that was a, a great moment and really showed the truth of where I think we all were at at that point. I don't know. What do you think, Beth? Were you kind of like, could you relate to Ben? Maybe not like in being emotional for the family, but just being. Like, yeah. I mean, I definitely down. can relate. I certainly spent time away from my family before and can understand what it's like to try to function when you don't have that support system that we rely on and that we need as as human beings. But I also think that there was a lot of pressure that we all felt. And so we're each trying to work through that in our own ways, but also work through it together. And in addition to, you know, the, the things that you have to accomplish, there are the things that go wrong and that add additional stress, whether it was the weather or things just not going as planned. And so as you try to work through all of that, I think what really happens is you reach this moment where you just have to take a break and it all kind of comes down in your mind and then you can pull yourself back up and start again. And I think it's normal. Like maybe that happens for me in the shower and maybe that happens for you, you know, when you're by yourself in your office and Ben happened um, to be at that moment where he had someone that he was talking to that, he, you know, he experienced that for, but it's very, I think it's a very normal and healthy thing to do. And when you have those moments, you just like, you find it and you move forward. But to experience that as a viewer, to experience that on camera um, is a powerful, it, it was powerful and I think it feels powerful as a viewer. Yeah, because I have a long sort of riff I, want, I wanted to take here because, and this is all sort of like, this is sort of um, a, a, a pouring praise on Emily. So the, the, pol the, the, your, the vet show is you guys they, they throw four camera crews you're covering all these different cases they get it all back into the post-production and they figure out how to how to sort of stitch those together into a into a narrative but they're not necessarily uh there's no like sort of linear 
through line, right? Like their focus, those, that production crew is focused on getting, you know, making sure they tell a complete story for each animal, but there's not sort of the, a global sort of, you know, seasonal arc. And that, that's a big difference with what we're, with, with, with the farm show. And so we would, this was almost a, this was a fairly regular thing um, that Emily and I, well, Emily would bring this to me. <laughs> I would be like, great. Uh, typically during lunch or at dinner time, she would be building the outlines for the episodes. So, you know, we knew that Christy was coming. And so she needed to get that sort of, um, you know, like, do you miss them? Because <clears throat> like, he's about to be reunited with them. And, you know, I think that we were expecting it to be emotional. I don't think that we understood sort of the depth of it or anything like that. But, you know, I think this also just goes, what I'm trying to say is this goes to like Emily's organizational skills and, and storytelling chops in terms of knowing sort of like that we were on this arc and we were sort of two thirds of the way there and we needed to set it up. And so that there was just a purely sort of like structural reason for asking it. And I think, you know, I, I think that, leaving the question in and how that was handled I think that also just speaks to her producing ability and being sensitive you know not you know we don't we were never I think trust is a huge thing in in terms of like working with you guys and we never want to be exploitive but we do want to tell like your story you know in, in full and I guess the last thing that I would say and the reason why I did want to talk about this episode was one of the like the, the way that most of the episodes ended up playing out, it was sort of like there was the Charles and Ben show over here. And then Beth, you would be sort of like over here doing sort of, you know, whether it was the bees or, you know, there was like a, you had your sort of storylines over here. But it always seemed odd to us because Ben is your brother. Like it, there's a weird, you know, like the friendship that Charles has with Ben. And we were, I, we were always looking to sort of bring up the sort of sibling relationship that you guys had. And so... In my mind, I, I think when we were talking about this episode, Emily and I, I was like, this is the Reinhold episode. <laughs> like, we, I, I was really fascinated and really excited to sort of to, to tell that story because you guys have an incredibly close relationship on your side. And we weren't, nor we hadn't really seen that, I think, in the, in the depth that we could have um, until, until this moment. Um, so that's another reason why I just have a huge sort of affinity for this, for episode 10. Um, cause I think that that sort of, um, the nice thing about like having 14 episodes is like, we were able to get into like a lot of the sort of multi-dimensional <laughs> relationships and the depth of feeling you guys have for each other. So, um, yeah. Sorry, that was a long answer, but I, it was I, it was I, it was a great answer, and it brings up like uh, I'm going to ask this question, kind of based off of something you said. Like, Beth, did you know? Like, did Emily talk to you? Did you know that he? Not accusing, just question. Did you know that he was breaking? Because it's almost like you knew, you sensed that he needed this thing, and was there to provide it. And I I imagine that was just because as his sister, you just had a sixth sense of what he needed because you were there to, I to provide it. In. I need to jump in and give Beth major props, major <laughs> props here before Beth even says anything. I first, John, I really appreciate you and everything you just said. Um, but there's one person who's gone way, 
This was very much, this was Beth's brainchild bringing Christy and the kids in. She definitely knew what her brother needed at this point. And this was, we were in cahoots through that day. Um, and, you know, where we needed to be. And this was Beth. I mean, she sensed her brother was low. I'm speaking for you, which I, I never want to do. But I, before you say anything, I want to make sure that all credit is where it's due. Um, sorry, Beth, go ahead. No, that's okay. I mean, it's, yeah, I was aware. And I, I think that for me, the, the it was just an easy step. Like, I know we all need to be recharged and we all need different things to recharge. And so what the cameras didn't capture a lot of times is Charles and Ben were together during the day and I was doing my thing. But then in the evening, Ben and I would come back together and we'd sit with Charles and we'd talk about the day. Or sometimes it was just Ben and I sitting out on the back porch and connecting. And so we have our time. We had our time. I was sleeping. So that happened a lot. <laughs> I'm going to bed now. Okay, see you in the morning. Um, but we had a lot of time and opportunity to talk. And I think that I was just aware um, that at some point you have to recharge and at some point what you're doing isn't enough to recharge and you need a bigger, you need a bigger energy drink. And, um, for me, it was just, it was very simple. Like he needed his family and it was something that I, I could do. Like there's some things that I, I couldn't ever give someone to help them recharge, but that was something that was able to be accomplished. It worked for Christy and her schedule and she was so happy to do it. And I was so grateful for it. And then Emily, like you were a huge help in, in helping me pull it off and put it together in a way that um, worked that energized Ben kind of on all different levels. And so I, I appreciate all of the support that I had from you guys to be able to make that happen. And we actually also want to thank Mike Stankovich because we yeah. used his <laughs> office. To, he gave us the office to uh, help. Craft studio. Exactly. Exactly. Put everything together. I hope, I hope Ben that. listens to this episode and appreciates the fact that we're dwelling on him breaking down and crying in this episode for like 45 minutes. <laughs> no, but it's 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 because it's so real. It, I mean, you talk about like, you have to be incredibly comfortable to go on camera and be authentic and true to yourself and be vulnerable. Um, and it you have to be incredibly comfortable with the people who are producing you. And I think that's a credit to you guys. Um, I, as somebody who's done it, like I put down a do uh, two dogs on the incredible doctor poll. Those are very difficult moments to, to allow uh, yourself to be completely that's vulnerable. That's crazy. That's a beautiful episode. Yeah. That but, was a beautiful but, episode. Th Charles. Well, thank you. But you had to, you had to be comfortable. It requires a comfortableness with the people around you to be vulnerable in that moment and true to yourself and, and so I think it's a testament really to Ben and also you guys and the connection that we had as a crew and producers, because that couldn't have happened had there not been that connection there, that comfort and that ability to just be vulnerable. And it's, it is a beautiful moment. Ben was like, for me, just such a, like Charles, you and Beth have been on, this other show for, for years and years and years, and you're, you know, you sort of understand what the deal is. 
And um, I wasn't there. I think my business partner, Jared and Emily were there for the, the first scene. But from from the get-go, it's like, like for me, and I, if you were to put a camera on me, I would just be like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> how, do, how do I walk? Give me two coffee cups, right? Yeah. <laughs> that look natural? And, so and then from, from the moment that the camera is turned on, and I don't think that he has any experience being in front of a camera, was just like, was natural and maybe even a little bit more of like an elevated self. Like he was funny and engaging and charismatic. And um, that's not something like, that's not something you can teach or learn or experience. Like he was just like on. So um, he is like, you know, I, I think that we knew, you know, I, I was very happy that you, that you, you know, uh, Beth and Charles like had had experience and sort of knew the deal and that there wasn't going to be a huge, you know, like when you're doing first season shows, there's a lot of time of like getting the people who are on camera, like comfortable, you know, and, and that's a process, but I knew you guys were like sort of pros at for Ben, like th there's a world in which he would have been like awkward and whatever. And we would have minimized, you know, and it would have really would have been like your, it would have been the, you know, doc Beth and Charles show. But, you know, he he was so comfortable in front of the camera and so good in front of the camera that, um, you know, it was like, it, it was just a joy always to film with him. And so, I, anyway, so I, yeah, he he's, I'm sorry he can't hear this. <laughs> he will. It's, hear it's, right it's, better, it's better. It's better than he doesn't. He might blush. Well, uh, he better ben does not yeah, blush. He will. <laughs> they, I, they, you know, I will say, though, that I loved what you had to say about Beth and, and Ben, this being their episode um, and the them together versus like Ben and I, which we were constant like companions and, and sidekicks doing stuff. Um, they it was their chance to really show their bond. And I agree with that. I thought it, it was great to see that. Um and you know it was great because I also I had my bond with my rocks, so I didn't. I was I gonna say. <laughs> Sorry, it was rock opposite. Done without talking about these rocks, Charles. What, where does this come from? <laughs> this genuine love of rocks. I do. I do have a genuine love of rocks. I. It's because I had this garden, and I just have these fond memories of going outside in times of like, you know, honestly time, the bad times, like when I was upset and I was in trouble or I'd just been yelled at and I want to go out and have my cry on there. I would go and, and, and feel down on the rocks. And then I would also feel great. And we'd have a lot of fun climbing the rocks, playing on the rocks. Me and my sisters would play on the rocks. It was just kind of, and it was like a total boy thing. Like I could see my son, like just wanting to climb and, throw rocks at each other and watch them break and, you know, just totally do that. Well, that's and where Silas gets I have from. these very fond memories. I do have to say, I will admit for the first time, I didn't actually name the rocks. I just Don't pulled that it. out of my head. I literally just pulled names. I was like, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm just going to have my little private joke and pull out names for these rocks. 
And then I had to be like, oh, no, now I have to remember the names <laughs> and recall them and play it totally That's straight. That's the problem with lying. I know. It's the only time I did it. The whole season I did that. I did have a – those were my three favorite rocks. There's no lie there. I did love those rocks. I did want them to be the centerpieces. Everything I said about them was true, and I'm glad I named them. They will now keep their name. Bill, Sue, and Teddy. I was just going to say, there's a tell in the episode where <laughs> Ben comes over to you and is making fun of you about naming the rocks and you're sitting next to your mom and your mom is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that, is, that, that is still in the show. So, <laughs> um, One of my favorite moments, speaking about how it's, a, a, you know, hereditary. Well, it, one of my favorite moments is when you and Ben go looking for the rocks and your dad shows up and you're like, we're looking for rocks. And he's like, my rocks. What? <laughs> it was like, it, it just, it was such a perfect, like moment. He does. He's really, we both have love. this weird commonality of like loving rocks. And I don't know what it's from. If it's maybe it's just, maybe it's just like if you're exposed to him, cause he was exposed to big rocks too, growing up with big rocks. So, Apparently, if if you're raised around rocks, you're always going to have an affinity for them. Yeah, I'm just I'm just making notes that if these careers don't pan out, you and your dad can always go back to school for geology work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm really excited. I'm curious because about how the audience reacts to this, specific, specifically about your dad. Excuse me. Because like our mission from the beginning was to expand the universe of Dr. Pohl. You know, this was an opportunity to tell different, to, to get into different aspects of, of Dr. Pohl's life and his interests, his relationships, you know, like what he does. And um, I don't know, like, as I said, I, like I haven't watched all 200 of the, the vet episodes, but that was one of my favorite uh, moments because I did feel like it was like, you know, we're, un we're getting him out of the clinic, we're getting him away from animals and then we're exploring this sort of like new side. And so I'm hoping, and I'm going to be so curious to watch as, you know, that as the episodes uh, roll out to see sort of how the audience reacts and, you know, takes in these sort of like new aspects of for you and your family. Um, and, you know, if that's, because that was always the goal, right? Was to, was to was to see these new aspects of of um, of Dr. Pohl and, and and your family. So curious yeah. to see how that goes. I don't think he ever talked about his love for rocks. I can tell you that they didn't. That is not something that he has shared on the episodes. But he, he he really he would roll in just we briefly on my dad. He would roll in, and and he's just so busy and would command this presence and everyone would like 10 hot everyone stand up straight dr Pole's here like including us and it was like uh he would just come in but i think he actually like was really amused by it like really amused by us doing this like really jealous. genuinely a little yeah, jealous a, a i little think je no but I, I think a younger version of himself would want this as yeah well, would want to be rock be hunting more, with you. yeah to be more <laughs> like even more involved if he wasn't so busy with yeah. the vet practice but i always saw a spring in his step like a little bit of a smile about mm. us doing this and uh, he really he really was 
Like, I think this is really surprised him watching this evolution in us and, and how much we accomplished. And so that was really a cool thing to, to have my dad be a part. I mean, he played his role. We, hundred percent always looked at him and, and he had his moments. My mom too, like with that episode coming out and visiting us with the waterfall at the end. And I was kind of hanging out in the rock there together. It was, there was some nice moments with my parents and it was nice to have those and to be able to see those. I agree with that. Well, and that's the beautiful thing about doing this with family too, right? Is these experiences that we're going through. Um, they in a small way are living vicariously through us. Um, Ben, to some extent, lives vicariously through us here at the farm, but at the same time, he's also such an integral part of it. And it's a really great way for us to to share this bond and have something that we're just all doing together. And I think that comes through so beautifully in these episodes. I think in in that spirit, the last scene in, in this episode is us turning on the fountain and it's coming out. And there was this moment, and uh, we haven't talked about him yet, but um, Ben's guys uh, were, were, Scott and Andy in particular, were there for that moment of, of turning on the fountain. And we all kind of were standing around the fountain, and there was the Clark Griswold scene of plugging it in and nothing happened. And we're like, oh, yeah, the flip the breaker, speaking of Clark Griswold. And... Uh, but we came out and there was like, honestly, I, 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 that was not fake. That was like pure joy on everybody's part to watch this water fountain start spitting water and like enjoying that together. It was a, it was a great moment to, to end that episode. And I think it was, it really encapsulated kind of everything that, ev because that was the end of that project, the end of the episode. And every time we got, into that next project or that next episode, there was this, this arc that we would go through to get through. And I think sometimes we literally, we broke down like Ben and sometimes we just got angry and sometimes we would walk away and whatever. I think a few times I had, I, I got grumpy with you guys. Um, and I had my own way of expressing my frustration. Um, but, uh, we would always get to that end and kind of cheer. And it was so rewarding on the backside getting through it. Uh, I think this episode was kind of like an encapsulation of the arc of the entire series and everything that we did and every stage of the farm. And I think that's well said, you know, we talk about authenticity and that's what that is. You'd go start with really high hopes and excitement and then because of these sort of things that would happen naturally happen, you'd hit a wall, whatever that meant, um, and break down. And then the end, it you know, the end of this episode, even though the garden is still to be built, much of it, um, it felt like a victory. It really did. It felt like we all overcame something together and and there was reason to celebrate, you know, the water started and and <laughs> we we felt that joy with you. Um, yeah, exercise yeah. the water, the water, it's, it's cleansing. It's, it was very, very profoundly deep. Um, the, well, I, I really want to thank you guys for coming and joining us for the podcast and, and giving us your time and your insights. 
I want to say thank you so much from the from me personally, and I'm sure Beth and Ben will yeah, echo this. Sure. You were our producers, our captains. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you. And I mean that from both the TV show portion of it, but also from like just being able to get through some of these tasks. Uh, you were sometimes uh, uh, something, some people we would laugh with or joke with. And I said this um, the other day, Emily, you standing out there, the attitude that you brought to set every day um, and your professionalism and the way that you would carry through even during the hard times and, and still ask the questions, even when we were razzing you about different things, uh, you, you would always bring, you would always follow up. You would always have be quick with the laugh and it, it was inspiration for me to like, you know, suck it up and keep going because uh, some, some days you felt like not showing up, but if Emily's going to be there, you got to be there too. So I appreciate it for me personally, like you guys and really John, you too. No, John, I mean, honestly, John is the, like you, I'll say something nice about you, John. No, you don't. I, <laughs> I no no I gotta say I'll say I'll I have my thing I have my thing I have something okay, I, right. I don't even have to think about it the first day you showed up I made fun of you about your shoes and I called I think I said oh Mr. Hollywood's here and and in kind of a joking teasing type of way but honestly like you as much as we had our arc I think that you had your arc and um I don't expect that you miss the farm or or have like a, a feeling or I guess I, maybe you do miss the farm but not that you would want to move to farming country and do it yourself but you 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 became very comfortable over time in in this world that was very different than like the world that you live in and I and and then also like I think that the, this you the way that you put it together from from inception and us talking about it and the concepts to the execution and and the final show like i think you guys you both did but john this is it really goes to your credit um you really captured what it was like yeah, and the essence of what we did stepped and, into our world and, and stepped into our world made it real and kept it kept it different enough from the incredible dr pole and yet it feels it feels like uh, it's related Familiar. and and that, that is, that is a super challenge. So I, I can't say enough about what you both brought in your own way to, to the show. So we thank you. And, yes. and I would just like to point out that comments about your shoes, John, are pretty rich coming from Mr. Moccasin man over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think this feels like therapy. We should have done this a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I, I will say, you know, like, I, I, like, um, like, and this is for a little behind the scenes talk, like, every once in a while, we'd go out to dinner, you guys had us, uh, you know, like, after a couple hard days, you'd buy pizza and, you know, ex <laughs> exposed us to some very specific Michigan uh, flavors of pizza. Um, you know, like that, that part of it, the relationships that, you know, that we had working together, um, cause it was hard work for all of us doing that together. That, that sort of, I think of the camaraderie, uh, that I miss and, you know, like my fingers are crossed for season two, um, you know, cause that's the sort of thing that, you know, like 
that's the kind of thing that I would, you know, want to want to get back and want to, you know, continue to have. It's, it's always a weird thing as a producer because it's a job, right? And it's a job for you to be in front of the camera. But along the way, you become friends. And, um, you know, it's like, I never know how to exactly feel about that. You know, it's like, should I text them happy birthday? Or, you know, is the job over? And, you know, we're no longer we're no longer like interacting and, you know, it's, that's a professional thing. And that sort of thing, I, you know, it's, it's always like a, it's always a weird equation in this struggle to sort of like figure out. Well, that's the funny thing, John, once you've been on our farm, you're always our friends. (laughs) So there shouldn't be any gray area. That's right. You can't fight, you can't fight these battles together and not come out like tight. I mean, it is, it is a battle to do the television show. It's a battle to build a farm and, we fought them together. So we'll always be brothers in arms, uh, a band of brothers, if you will. So I hate to end it, but uh, we've already gone well past time. So you can watch new episodes of the incredible pole farm Saturdays at 10 PM on Natio wild and stream it on Sundays on Disney plus and Hulu. We hope that you guys join us next week for an all new incredible pole cast until then. We hope that you guys have a great week. Thanks for joining us.